Hey everybody, thanks so much for joining us today on this beautiful Tuesday night in January. Uh, I don't know about you, but winter's going by pretty fast. I live very north in the in the United States, so only about a month ago was it dark at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And I'm still seeing the sunset right now, so I'm pretty happy. I love the sunshine, and I'm very excited to have someone who's used to the sunshine and warm weather out in North Carolina. Welcome to the show, Peter. Thank you. Yes, my name is Peter Mutabazi, and I'm in North Carolina. I live in Charlotte, and I love it here. Yeah, I bet. What What brought you to Charlotte? How long have you lived there? Uh, I've lived in Charlotte for uh, almost three years now. Uh, what brought me was a job. So I work for uh, World Vision. Uh, so I'm a regional manager for, for this uh, North Carolina, South Carolina, Virginia. So when they offered me a job, I was like, sure, where is it? North Carolina, absolutely. I'm on my way. And that's how I made it here. I love that. So tell us a little bit about yourself, your upbringing, and um, what you do for, for hobbies, as well as what, tell us a little bit about your job. Ooh, about my job. So first, let me start with my job. You know, I work for uh, for World Vision. So they work with kids, uh, vulnerable children all over the world. We work in about 100 countries. Uh, so I represent World Vision in this region, you know. But also, I'm from Uganda. So we have an office in Uganda. And uh, uh, some of my villages have really benefited from my job. So yes, I am from Uganda. Uh, I come from a small little town called Kabale, right at the border of Uganda, Rwanda, and Congo. Uh, so that's where I come from. And uh, I come from a very humble beginning. I come from a home where life was uh, different. You know, I come from a home where we're poor in every way, shape you could, you could imagine. You know, I grew up in a place where no one ever told me to dream. You know, he's the reason why they could not tell me to dream. You know, for, for a mom who cannot provide food for their, you know, for their kids every day, how do you tell them to dream when you can't feed them? You know, how do you tell them, hey, you have a better future when, you know, since they were, since they were born, they have not had enough good meal to eat. So that's kind of where I, I come from. You know, then at the age of four, I began to realize that, you know, my family was different. We were poor for sure. But also I began to realize that my dad was different, that he was abusive in every way, shape, form you could you could imagine. So I had poverty on one side and then I had a bad dad on one end, you know. So had you told me there was a future for me, I would be hmm, not sure about that, you know. But somehow I made it through uh, life. Well, at the age of 10, I just could not take the abuse anywhere. So I ran away and became a street kid. So from the age of 10, 11 to 15, 16, as a street kid, uh, that was my life. So uh, I ran away. Uh, it's not like I went 10 miles away. It's not like I went five miles away. I'd never been 20 miles away and I went 500 miles away. And I ended up in Kampala. So as a street kid, that's where I, I lived for, uh, you know, four to five years. And along, while on the streets of Kampala, I met a stranger who loved me and somehow saw a potential in me and said, you know what, I want to help you and I want to take you to school. To which I responded, are you sure? You know, I mean, I'm a dirty little boy who's probably a thief. I mean, do, do I have anything, anything in life that you think you could really build me? Uh, but for him, he said, yes, 
I would love to help you. So I went to school, did well, and uh, I managed to go to university and I managed to come here to United States as well. Uh, and that's how my small life and that's my small beginning of where I come from uh, and what really led me uh, to be here. It wasn't because I was smart. It wasn't because I had wealthy families. No, I got here because of kindness of one human being that he saw me and he saw the potential in me and said, you know what? I want to build on that. I want to adapt to you. I want to instill you in the best thing I can do. And truly that worked. So that's how I made it here you know, uh, for the kindness of one human being. So that's my little story. That's I love that. What was the transition from moving from Africa to the United States like? And what was what was your plan once you got here? Oh, the transition. That was really difficult, you know. Uh, the culture shock of what, you know, I came from Africa. We are very communal. We, we live, you know, close to one another. But also, as a community, we depend on one another, you know. Uh, when someone gets sick, not everyone has a car or we have, you know, healthy services like um, ambulances. But, you know, men will carry someone to go to the hospital. If you need fire, you go to your neighbor. If you can't find salt, you go to your neighbor. So we know each other that well, you know. So coming to the United States was like a culture shock. It was like day and night, you know. Uh, and, and, the, and, the, and the place I moved to was from Uganda to Los Angeles. So you can imagine the, the culture shock that I had to face arriving in, you know, uh, the highways, the six, seven lane, you know, along the way. I was like, man, this is crazy. Uh, but then going to shopping and looking at food, you know, I'd never been to a grocery store, you know, going to Walmart or, you know, uh, target or anywhere it was really overwhelming you know uh, something i'd never seen before uh, and so culture shock really took hit of me but i somehow i managed to make it and uh, yeah i went to school uh, and that's what i did and i enjoyed to get to know uh, you know my new country uh, as us i love that so you became mr hollywood overnight big deal a lot of transition with culture and lifestyle what finally opened up your heart and your mind to dreaming all that you wanted and what were your ambitions like when you realized that you could have what you wanted so yeah so when i arrived in the united states i think for me the shock was you know i had seen the poor where i come from i come from the poor of the poorest but everyone is poor so i think for me i was struck by the difference between the wealth and those who don't have uh, but also i think for me coming from a world where kids are the most vulnerable uh you know i was struck by you know that I got to know that they are foster kids or they are kids who have nowhere to live or have no family or have no one to take care of them, uh, but yet seeing so much wealth. So for me, that really shook me. And I said, if I ever make it, if I ever have a house, I'll make sure that I have one child. Sure enough, you know, I worked after about, you know, five, seven years. I was like, you know what? I have a house. Now I really want to give back. I want to be a foster dad. So I quit my job and I went to the foster care system and said, hey, I want to be a mentor anywhere I could help, you know. And the social worker said, hey, have you ever thought of being a foster dad? I was like, well, I don't think I qualify. I'm single. All I have is a house. And she said, you qualify. 
that day I signed up, you know, and then four, four months later, I had uh, my first placement, you know, but little, I didn't really know, you know, as a single male that I could foster. Uh, I've always had a heart to, to, you know, to be a foster dad. You know, at 25, I thought, you know, I'll, I'll be married with four kids. At 30, maybe I'll have seven. Uh, didn't happen. You know, well, when I was clocking 40, I was like, you know what? There's a way I can be there for kids without having to wait for the normal traditional you know family like kids need us today they don't you know me getting married or having babies isn't what they're looking for they're looking for someone now and i thought well that's what i can offer that i can be that dad uh, who they need the most but also knowing that they they had really no one to guide them that they had no one to uh, impact their lives because I had been impacted as a child. I thought, you know, it is the most crucial time to be there for for kids who needed help, and so I was really thrilled to be a foster dad, and that's been my journey uh, the last four years. So share share your experience with foster care over the last few years, um, the ups, the downs. What what would what advice would you give to those who are considering foster care? foster care. <laughs> I would say it's the best thing you can do, you know? Look, everything has a system. Everything has ways, things that they have been done that sometimes we don't like, you know? But here's the strange thing with foster care. There's a human being on the other side, you know? It's not the banking where there's money on the other side. For sure, there's people. But for foster care, it's the kids on the other side. So we can look at, uh, uh, at the system and say, well, the system is really bad. But for me, I didn't have to really think more of the system. I had to really focus on the child on the other side. That if I don't intervene, that if I don't advocate for them, that if I don't bring them into my home, then uh, every day that passes by, that, that kid is in danger. That child is in danger uh, of not having a place to, to come. And I knew that that would affect them for the rest of their lives. So, yes, there are challenges with the system. But here's my take. There's a human being who needs us the most and who's vulnerable on the other side. So for me, I would say don't focus on the on the system, but rather focus on the life on the other end. You know, yeah, I can promise you it was not quite easy going through the system. I had to do the map. I had to be scrutinizing every shape form. But at the end of the day, for me, it was all about the child. It was all about providing a safe home and a loving home for that child. That the system didn't get in the way, though it was somewhere, you know, sometimes legaling, you know, that I really had to think about the life of the child uh, and try to be there. So, yes, there are ups and downs, you know. And of course, for me being a single dad, you know, uh, some people have four, you know, help have families around but for me it's not like i have a, a family from africa that lives with me here now it's just me so not having that was really a challenge for me but i found a way on how i can do that and that was being part of the church group or being part of the local communities where i would be part of the you know the the, the foster moms and say hey if i need help would you would you come in and sure enough you know that they would be willing to help me so Sometimes, you know, it's a task we look at and say, wow, can I do it alone? I mean, that's a, that's a, it's really tough. But I can say there are people there, yes, who are not, can't, we can't all be foster parents for sure, but who are willing to jump in, you know, that in my church group, 
they were single men and women. You know, when I ran out of milk at four or at, you know, uh, uh, at, at 10 p.m. that I would call and say, hey, do you mind if you could bring me a gallon of milk and, and, and eggs and they would bring them for me. You know, so I found another way of how other can help me uh, because I was willing to be vulnerable. I was willing to say I need help. Uh, and that really uh, helped me overcome the challenge of being just me uh, and not having help. So there are ways on how we can help one another. There are ways on how we can overcome the challenge for sure. But when you think of that kid, when you think about the, the joy and the life and the opportunity you're giving them, you know, it makes every challenge worth a walk uh, for sure. That's amazing. You're awesome. Um, sh- share your experience with having different placements. How long have your um, kids stayed with you and share your adoption story that, that has um, transpired as well? Um, yes, absolutely. So I've had 14 kids, uh, you know, in the last, uh, you know, three, almost to, to, to four years. So I've had 14. So for me, when I went in, here's what I did. I said, uh, I talked to the social worker. I said, hey, is there any way you could help me have uh, uh, maybe kids that are about to transition to their parents or are transitioning to, uh, to the adoption? Because I wanted to have a short uh time with them so i can learn how to be the best parent so i didn't want the long the long placement that i wanted shorter so i can figure out how you know so with that uh i got two you know two kids who were uh, through adoption and i had them for um you know i think four months so four months gave me a time to really readjust think through and think about my next placement you know uh but i've had uh you know three months four months six months, eight months, and I think my longest was one year, you know? And here's how it happened. Also, for me, I understood what foster care means. Foster care means that I'm in a place to be there for mom and dad or any other relative when they're not able to take care of their children. So I understood that my job wasn't to adopt their children, but my job as a foster parent was to be there during that gap when the biological parents uh, could not. So that really helped me to focus on the child, but also knowing that they will go home sometime or they will be adopted somewhere. Uh, that that really helped me to know what my position was as a foster parent. So when my last one came, you know, uh, you know, I had had two kids and they had gone back home. So I told the social worker, I said, look, I need a break. You know, it's been really tough. I need a break. Uh, so that was a man I said, I need three month break. So she said, okay. Well, they left on Monday. On Friday, I mean, four days later, I get a phone call. She's like, hey, Peter, um, could you take in a kid? I said, I told you, honey, I said, I need a break. My heart is is really broken and I need to heal. She's like, please, this kid is at the hospital and needs only two nights. We drop him, we pick him on Monday. This is what I said. I said, okay, I'll take him in. But if you're not here on Monday, you find him on the porch waiting for you. Basically, I was threatening, you know, you know. So finally, the the kid arrived and at three in the morning. And as soon as he walked in, I mean, literally, as soon as he walked in, the social worker had left and looked at me and said, I said, hey, you can call me Mr. Peter, you know. And he's like, well, but can I call you dad? I was like, Wait, 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 hold on, hold on, you know? Uh, you're here for a few days, dad thing, mm, you know? 
Uh, no. But also, we you know, foster kids usually don't, I mean, they're not quick to call you that. It takes a while, you know. So for him in 20 minutes to say, well, can I call you my dad? That was strange, you know. But of course, I didn't ask also his history, why he had been left at the hospital, because I didn't want to be attached. I, I knew I, I had lost two. Well, I didn't lose them. They had to go reunify with their parents. But I thought, I don't want to get attached because I, I, I need to heal, you know. Uh, so on, on Monday, when they came to pick him up, of course, I asked why. Why was he left at the hospital? And they told me the story. And I was like, there's no way I can let him go. You know, this kid knew I'll be his dad the moment he entered, and I cannot take that away. You know, so I knew, you know, the parental rights had been terminated, so I knew he was uh, truly available for adoption. So from there, from that day, I said, you know what? Give me the school paperwork. I'll do whatever I need to, and I think this is going to be my son. He's already told me, uh, and that was my journey. It wasn't a plan, seriously. He was placed with me for just two days and he stayed forever so uh and and i would i would like to educate most foster parents like that's that's the best way sometimes to to go in not having high expectations but to go in for the sake of the child and then let the other play later you know and that i didn't know and i always wanted to be a dad and there it was but i could have walked away i could have said well no you know but because i was willing to say sure i'll give you a moment and that moment has turned up for ever moment that I'll always be grateful. That makes me so happy. I'm grateful that you had that experience. And I, um, I loved your willingness to just love, love children and take them in when they, when they are vulnerable, like you said, um, share some, some, um, struggles from adoption and, and maybe some words of wisdom on how parents can avoid specific parts of, um, their story to to share them from sorry save them from grief you said that your heart um has been trying to heal you needed some time what what advice would you give to um, foster parents to allow themselves to heal and not maybe not get attached when they know that they won't be with the child forever Oh, he's for me what I did. I knew that fostering a child needed for me to also foster the mom and dad, at least for those who had two mom, you know, two parents, you know, or had one. Like I knew I have to partner with the, with the parent, you know, uh, as a single dad, you know, I knew that giving the opportunity for mom, even if they weren't there for them, but give them an opportunity sometimes to be moms the best way they can. You know, so that really helped me to bridge that gap, but also to include them to know like, hey, I'm not here to steal or want to take your child, but I'm here to uh, be there for them, but also uh, be there for you as you go through receiving your child back. So they, they didn't see me as an enemy or someone against them, but rather they saw me as someone partnering with them so they can have their, their kids back. And I think for me, that helped me knowing um, I'm pursuing. I mean, at first it wasn't easy, you know, but a few months later they would recognize like, well, he, he's not after me or after my kids. He truly wants me to do the best for my kid. And so that created a good relationship. So for me, yes, I was grieving that they were going home, but I had a good relationship with their parents that I knew I would see them again, you know. For all the kids I've had to this day, I can ring, I talk to them, they call me anytime. Why? Because I knew... If I'm not against the mom or if I can bridge that gap, 
that that will be a good transition formula. I'm not losing the child, but somehow I'm gaining an extra family and to be there for them as well. So for me, that's helped me, you know, uh, to not, not like I, of course you you can't avoid to be attached like that's a natural way you know and and and, and being attached is a healthy way as well but also knowing what ways will i stay in the lives of these kids if i invest in their parents you know uh, and that, i think for me that was really helpful that has given me an opportunity to to stay in touch you know uh uh, I had a seven-year-old who just turned eight, you know, a few weeks ago, he went home. Yes, I had him for 10 months. I cried for days, you know, but there's one part that I was grateful that I pursued the parents, that he was able to go home, but two, that I still have access to him, that I can talk to him, you know. Uh, the other day, I think he went to school and he told his mom, yeah, can you tell dad this? And, you know, they text me the, the video, you know, so that bond, that bridging the gap between you and the parents really keeps you in relationship keeps you in their lives and i think for me i found it's the best way to grieve yes but to know uh that i still have them uh in my life in some way wow that's so inspiring um it's a different perspective than i've heard from every foster parent so i really appreciate your heart and your desire to just invest in the parents and not be there in in replace of them that's amazing um a lot of foster and adopt families experience or are a part of a transracial family how have you approached um teaching and guiding your children about race especially through these um politically strifing times Ooh, <laughs> that's a tough one you know you know i think for me i've had 14 kids and think white uh 10 were white and four were African-American or Native American, you know? So for me, the challenge starts from home, you know, so that the differences they see uh, start from, they know me as a dad who loves them. They know me as a dad who inspires them. So sometimes when we get stopped or when I'm treated the wrong way, they are there to witness. They, they know, why did they have to stop dad? Why is the police chasing us and asking us if he had the right to have us, you know? The, in, in most cases, they advocate for me, but also they get to see it, you know, in person right there, you know? Uh, and then I'm able to say, hey, you see, they treat me not because I'm a bad dad, but because I look so different than you, you know? And, and teach them in some way to know that, hey, if you ever see someone who looks like me, treat them like my dad, your dad treats, treats you and have respect and honor, you know, but also be able to teach them the cultural differences that we face, you know. We like to travel, you know, sometimes we go to birthdays, you know, and people will give them gifts, you know, guns, who, you know, toy guns. But usually I, I prefer not to take them with me, rather I pick them later or be shipped to me. Because I know they like to play and they're going to play in the car and the, the next minute the police will be chasing you. But I have 10 minutes to survive. So I've trained them like, hey, you know, you, you know what to say. You know how to behave uh, because uh, life is always different. You know, we go to grocery stores, you know, people always re react or things uh, say things in different ways, you know, on, on rather always be negative to, 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 you know, I try to teach them, you know, how do we positively really approach that? You know, uh, the other day I was in Costco uh, and they were testing something. So my kids wanted something. So they said, can we test? And the, and I was right standing there and 
the server, whoever was serving, said, hey, could you go call your parents, you know? And they looked at her and they said, well, he's here. He's my dad, you know? Uh, but I could see them frustrated, like, why would you doubt he's not our dad? You know, but to be able to approach that gently, you know, and be able to educate the other person the other way so my kids can learn from that. So it's a constant learning, you know? I think for me, uh, but I'm, I'm the best example I can be for them, you know, that they treat, they treat everyone right as much as their dad treats them uh, as well. But it's a topic that we have to talk about literally every day, you know, uh, that I help them adjust. Uh, but also things they hear at school, you know, uh, that I can help them uh, truly learn ways on how to, uh, to treat others with respect and love and have empathy uh, as well. Man, you're... You're one of a kind. You're so inspiring. I appreciate that. Now I want to kind of shift gears and I want to hear about your organization. Now I am known. You guys did some serious R and D on these boxes. This is awesome. Um, yeah, it's a little, it's a little box for these plushies, as you see behind his, behind his shoulder. I also got one, so I wanted to thank you so much for this. This is like my favorite little guy. Now I've been contemplating on getting a puppy, so he will do. Um, now I am known and why you started. So now I'm known, you know, I started it, uh, you know, years back and here's how it came, you know, so as you know, I grew up in a place, all I had, I was garbage. I would never amount to anything. I was good for nothing. That's all I had all my life. So when this stranger took me in, you know, he began to use words of affirmation. He would say, Peter, you matter. Peter, you know, you're brave. Peter, you're a gift to us. And I was like, wait, I, do you, are you sure? You know, so I began to hear those words and those words truly changed my life because I began to believe that I mattered. I began to believe that I belonged, you know? So as they changed my life, I thought, if I ever be a dad, I'm going to use words of affirmation to encourage my kids. Well, when I became a you know, foster dad, I really began to think about how do I make my kids known? How do I give them an assurance and an encouragement throughout the day? You know, so I created 12 words of affirmation and then I wrote them on the bandana. So here's the bandana and it has 12 words of affirmation. But at first I would put them in the, uh, in our pantry. I would put them in the car so I can always remember to say them, you know, as parents, we get busy and we forget to affirm our kid. So I needed them where I can see them. So then we got a dog. I thought, Hmm, you know, our kids go through trauma and sometimes they don't want to talk to dad, but they love their dog. So I thought, well, maybe if I can make a bandana that, you know, can have these words and put on the dog so they can always see them uh, as they play with the dog. So that was the idea, you know, for my kids to hear that you're brave, you matter, you're kind, you're not alone in what you go through, that you're enough. Sometimes our foster kids never feel they're doing enough, but to say, no, 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 no. You're enough to me, you know, but I wanted to make sure that I can say those words often and often. Then I realized like, wait a minute, I have a platform, you know, so I truly wanted to encourage all kids and all moms, even, uh, you know, uh, women who are in domestic uh, uh, abuse uh, relationships that what ways can I encourage them that you matter, you're special. So I wanted to use my platform to truly make sure that other kids are known. Other moms are known. Foster parents who go through difficult times, sometimes we're not able to explain what we go through, 
But how can I encourage them to say, you are brave. You are not alone. You're seen. And so that's why I created, you know, that now I'm known, um, you know, uh, business really to uh, encourage others, but also to give a platform for those who have not been hard to be hard. But here's something also that I want to do. I want to be a full-time dad, that I want to advocate for kids, especially teenagers who are in the foster care. Uh, but also I want to be a full-time dad so I can bring in more kids. And so it was a way in some way to help me, you know, as 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 you can tell. So we sell one plushie and then the other plushie goes to a children's hospital and our foster care are through agencies. So I wanted something tangible that our kids can have, like you have, uh, to be able to say, wow, I matter, I'm special. Uh, and so uh, that toy is a, duplica- a, du- a duplicate of our dog uh, or a duplicate uh, of our dog Simba that we love the most. He's a golden uh, um, uh, doodle that we love. So we created something that really looks at him, looks like him, but also that helps for me as a dad to remember to affirm my kids, but also create a platform to tell every child, every mom, every family that they are special, that they are hard uh, and they are seen. And so that's how I came up uh, with that. So how can we support you in your work with I Am Known and uh, what can we do to sponsor as well? Oh, what you can do? Well, here's what you can do. We have over a thousand uh, requests from agencies who, you know, who need our plushies, but we can only give them one when one buys. So you buy one for yourself or for your kids, and then we give one to other kids. Uh, you know, so that's really my desire that you help me be the best that I can be. I want to be a stay-at-home dad and an advocate for teen. You know, we actually just took in a teen, a teenager uh, three weeks ago. And so he's a permanent placement and we are really excited. Uh, but also for me is truly buy one and then I get to give one to the other kid, but also help kids in the hospital. But not only are you helping those kids, but you're helping me be a dad because that's my goal. I want to be a full-time dad, but also be an advocate for kids to let them know that they are hard, they are seen, and they are special. Ah, that's amazing. So everybody who's watching, please go purchase a plushie um, that represents Simba, which is adorable. I want I want a real dog that looks like this. I might need some pictures <laughs> right, yeah. of your dog. Yes, and you can go to now I'm known. So now I'm known.com. You know, that's why we sell them. So you can go to now I'm known.com and uh, and buy. And also if you want, if you want as many, we can send to an agency of your of your choice. So it's a way to bless other kids, uh, but also, oh, and the kids also get a, you know, um, an adult bandana so they can have all the 12 words on the Simba, the, on our plushie, the dog, but also get to have an actual um, plushie. You know, it's a small thing, but really we can't all be parents, but we can do something to encourage, to uplift, to support uh, our kids and our foster parents as well. You're getting me all like giddy inside. I appreciate all your hard work. You're really changing the world, Peter. Thanks so much. 
Well, someone changed that for me. You know, I would not be here had he not seen, you know, he didn't see the thief. He didn't see the dirty boy, you know, which most time that's why we hear in, in the media or foster kids are bad. Like, that's not true. You know, that's not true. Our kids are special and they need us. And yes, they've gone through trauma, uh, but they need us that we can't label them. We can't stereotype them. You know, they're human beings who want to be loved. And that was me at some point. You know, I was a dirty little boy who everyone passed and called names. But one human being didn't do that. He said, you know what? I see more than he sees. And I see more in him that I want to invest. And that changed my life. And so we can do so uh, for our foster kids uh, as well, especially teenagers. I'm just speechless, man. Thanks so much. Um, as we close, can you just give a testimonial on how foster care and adoption has blessed your life and maybe some words of encouragement to foster care or adoptive parents who may be struggling? Yes. So here's what I found that sometimes I felt at first I felt like I'm doing something for the kids, but I realized they were doing more for me that sometimes I feel I'm gaining more about me than I am doing for them. They made me a better person that I've learned how to love, how to care, how to have empathy and how to be there for others. But that's something they are teaching me. You know, that sometimes we tend to see they need us, but I would say sometimes I need them to know that us as false parents, us as adults, that we need them as well to teach us. So it's never always about the foster kids, but foster kids change our lives as well. So that's the best I can say that they have made me a better human being. I thought I loved, mm. then I got to have foster kids and they have taught me how to be patient, how to love and how to have empathy. So it's, it's both ways, as much as I'm helping or as much as you're helping them, but also on the other side to know they are also helping us as well. So it's a two way uh, that I really like about uh, foster care but also wisdom, I would say, you know, uh, here's the other part. Being attached is a good thing. It is a good thing because that's how humans act. We're not robots. So don't, don't hold back worried about the attachment because that's really what makes you. And that's what makes you probably the best foster parent you can be. So despite the challenges, depends on what we go through to remember when we make it about kids, it's special because it's about them that they need us more than we need ourselves. So thanks for changing the world. Thanks for changing the worlds of your foster children. And I know that you will continue to do your best. I want to do all, all that I can to support you in becoming a full-time dad. Um, I will be definitely sharing your page and your organization. And I want to fill the world with these. I'm so excited. And I love the, I love the mission and vision of those. Uh, please, I'm sorry. The kids love them too. So let's give as many as, as we can. As I said, we have a thousand requests for uh, the plushies. So if we, if you can help us do that, that'll be amazing. Of course. Thank you so much. And thanks for joining us on My Destiny tonight. Um, I'm, I'm honored to have worked with you and to become your friend. Uh, coast to coast adoption and foster care is the same everywhere. It's just about loving and investing in, our, in, the, in the children. Um, and then, and then they'll pay it forward. I know that good parents raise kids that, that want to make a difference and pay it forward. So 
Thanks so much, Peter. You're, you're the man. Um, I really aspire to be like you and to have, have a heart and, um, for, for changing lives and stuff. So thank you so much. Uh, anybody that's watching, please reach out to Peter, um, or his organization, please purchase a plushie on now. I am known.com. Please. This is, I'm not endorsed, but I really encourage you to do so. Um, and, uh, as usual, thanks for watching and tune in next Tuesday for our next episode.